0: Are you the type of person that's thinking, well, I'm 29, 30, 31. I can't change my career. It's too late now. Can't dive into other things. I'm just going to have to stay on this path of lack of passion, frustration, anxiety before I go into work. Well, this is for you. Or maybe you're the kind of person that thinks, like, I really want to start a business, but it's so daunting and it takes so much money and I just don't even know where to begin. Well, this one's for you too. Or maybe you're thinking, I just don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. Being a person who cares, having this sense of passion and drive isn't going to be enough to take this business to the level where I want to take it. This message is for you because I have a dear, dear friend who also happens to be a powerhouse woman, Sarah Jacobson, on the podcast today. And she is talking about all of these misunderstandings you have about starting your own business and what it takes to manage it. I met her at the complete infancy of skin and sugar, her spa, back in 2017, when she was essentially working out of like a closet. I mean, it was such a tiny little room in this loft space, but she just had such a passion for skincare. And fast forward, it's 2020. She is opening up her second storefront in Ohio and is one of the most popular estheticians and skin spas in the area. I mean, I don't have a single friend who's not going to her, but she also is an incredible mom and a wife and friend. And I'm overwhelmingly impressed by how she's built this business. And I've loved walking through this journey with her from start and continuing to watch it blossom. So I had to bring her on the show because she's relatable. She's just like you and me. I mean, I'm 28 years old. Knowing what she's accomplished in just a few years is absolutely sensational. And we need to speak life into that. We need to hear that it's possible. So for all of you out there who are thinking, I can't do it. It's too crazy. It takes too much money. Absolutely not. In the next life, this one is for you. You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. So happy to be on Misunderstood today with Special guest Sarah Jacobson. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So pumped. Well, we were just chatting before the show. I'm so sad because I feel like esthetician really isn't even like the right word. Like, what do I, How do I describe our relationship or like what you are to me?
1: We're like a skin therapist, mentally but also physically for your face. Oh, you know. that's
0: skin therapist. See, I was thinking yeah. like fairy godmother for my skin. I'll take that in life too. Because, <laughs> yeah. well, one, obviously you're incredible in like the skin industry. You're incredible as a businesswoman. And like all those reasons are the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show. But personally, I feel like we just grew closer and closer and closer and closer every single time I stepped foot into we did. your yeah. chair because you were just like that kind of person. So I'm still looking for my Sarah. In LA, I'm so sad.
1: I miss you. I know. I mean, like, even with Austin, like, you had told me, like, when the first times you met him, that you were like, he was it. I I know. And then, like, here we are.
0: And now you're engaged. I know. It's so funny you said that because I told that to you because it was a very, like, judgment free zone. Every time I went in for, like, my facial, my dermaplane, all of that, you were always just like, all right, Cal, like, what's the scoop? And I could just, I would tell you things I hadn't even told my friends yet. And I would also tell you things about my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a lot. I hear everyone's deepest, you darkest, secrets for sure. We just, like in my mind, I'm like, it's the vault. Like I know you're not going to share is. anything. It is. But I feel like that is very indicative of you. And I think that's what has helped you exponentially grow your business, Skin and Sugar. If you're in Columbus, Ohio, you already know what Skin and Sugar is. Everybody knows Skin and Sugar. You have a storefront in Upper Arlington, which is like the cutest little space. And you've only had it for a year and a half, I think.
1: Actually, November was two years. But the storefront.
0: You haven't had the storefront for two years, have you?
1: Yeah, the storefront for two years. It's
0: already been two years. I know. <laughs> what? I know. I feel like, oh I my know. God, my brain. I literally remember you just posting about it. Yeah. It's
1: just been two years. Like literally just two but years. But you've only
0: had skin and sugar. And three. Four, three. Correct. So you opened up a storefront within a year Yeah. starting your business. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know whether you're inspiring or insane. Like that insane. is crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, oh my gosh. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you because- there are women out there right now listening to this who have aspirations, have businesses they want to start, have dreams they want to build, but they keep waiting. Right. They keep waiting and waiting and waiting. What was the initial turning point for you? What, first of all, got you started to build Skid and Sugar? And then at what point were you like, I'm diving in and I'm going all the way?
1: So, I mean, initially, I didn't even go to school for aesthetics, like right out of college. So I went to college, I thought I loved business, wanted to go into like health administration. And I used to work at Cleveland Clinic, and I was a residency coordinator. And I was so unhappy. I had horrible anxiety, I had to like, be put on medication. I dreaded everything about my day to day. Mm. And I just looked at the women there. And I was like, they were all older and gonna retire. They started there. And I was like, I can't be. These women. Yeah. Like, this is not what I have in my life. And I had always loved skin and I'd always loved skincare. And I would like read New Beauty magazine and like buy serums and eye creams and all this stuff. And like, I didn't even know an esthetician freaking existed. And I was reading a magazine and they were talking about celebrity esthetician. And I was like, oh my God, like, what the heck is this?
0: How do I do that?
1: I know. <laughs> I, so I like Googled it and was like reading into it. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is what I want to do. I mean, like, keep in mind, like I was 29, like I had gone to college, I had worked seven plus years in a completely different field. And I literally walked into my husband's office. And I was like, Oh, my God, I think I want to be an esthetician. He was like, Okay, so like, what does this mean? And I was like, Well, so I have to quit my job <laughs> and go back to school. And he was like, Okay, so let's Aww. do it. Like he was so super supportive. And literally, that's what I did. I quit my job, mm. which my parents were not very happy about because, you know, it was a really good job and went back to school. I was the oldest person in my class for aesthetics. But I think I truly appreciated the experience more.
0: Where did you go to school at?
1: In Nevada School in oh, Cleveland. Oh, wow. But at that point, I appreciated school mm-hmm. so much more because I knew I wanted to be there and like that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So went to school. Then I just Started basic jobs like working in a spa in Cleveland. And through those experiences, I realized what I didn't love about how those spas were ran. Mm. And we knew we were leaving Cleveland to move to Columbus. And when we were moving, I said to my husband, I was like, I don't think I can stomach working in another spa. Like, I can do this. Like, I can figure out how to do this on my own. And so when we moved,
0: In 2017, right?
1: 2017. Okay. I found like a little one room, kind of like a Mm -hmm. salon loft thing and rented a little space. And keep in mind, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) other than I knew that I knew how to do skincare. So (laughs) I ordered all the things that I thought I needed to order and essentially just set my room up. And then once that was done, I was like, okay, so now I have to figure out. I knew, like, no one in Columbus. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends from high school lived here, and, like, that was the only person that
0: I knew. So then I was like, okay, so now where do I go? First of all, in the first six minutes of this podcast, we have already touched on the fact that you were brave enough to jump, not just needy, but dive into a completely different career path at 29, Insane. I I hear people like, oh, at forty, like you know, they retire and they have like an entirely second job. But I mean, even now, like, it's so relatable for me because I'm 28, and when I think about getting into something completely different from even like the Navy, for example, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I've spent the last six years of my life only doing this, and like this is what I'm an expert in, and this is what my training is in. So, kudos to you. Clearly, it can be done whenever you have like the drive and passion, and then. A huge misunderstanding is that you can't start from the ground up and you had no knowledge and you got your schooling and you did your research. And I think something that you're not mentioning is the confidence. Like, I think you had enough confidence in yourself to believe you could just do it. You know, like that was innately there. You were like, all right, I can do this. Like, I don't want to work for someone else. And like, that's just so incredible, Sarah. And I think two
1: what people are really misunderstood about when you like take a leap of faith and change your career path is like, it's not like doomsday. Like Mm. I knew that if this plan failed, I had an education, I had experience in my job. Worst case scenario is okay. So I went back to a hospital and got another job. Like Mm. to me, like it wasn't life or death. And I knew that if I just didn't try it, then I wouldn't have regrets like moving forward with whatever path things went
0: Right. Yep. No regrets. Obviously. Like you're gonna blink and then obviously you're gonna look back and you're think, oh, what if I'd gone into skincare? What if I had changed my career path? What if I had done this? And now I think that's what's so mind blowing is you first of all dove into this in only twenty seventeen. And then, you know, fast forward is twenty twenty. And I'd say you're one of the most popular, if not the most popular storefronts slash skincare slash spas, you know, in Columbus to go to. And one thing I normally start on, but I wanted to wait, is how we connected. And I think it's a perfect time to get into that because the second step we were talking about, like you build up a room and you had your loft and you had all your stuff, like the stuff you thought you should order, you know, the basics, but then it was like connecting and the networking. And that's where I came in, which is super exciting. Exactly.
1: I know. I literally still Same. remember this to the day. Like, I remember seeing you for the first time and having you come <laughs> oh, in.
0: So let me hear it from your side. And then I want to share it from my side. So as the client and then as the business owner.
1: So originally, it was when you were doing mm-hmm. pageants. And I remember you had reached out because mm-hmm. trying to just collaborate and that kind of stuff. And then that was like the initial... And then Mm -hmm. we did the bumble event. You invited me to a bumble event that we had. And then from there, then you had another event for a pageant. And we connected. And I just remember being like, Do you just like want to do this as like a regular thing? Like you just want to come like see me every month and like not just for like special events. And like it would just kind of it felt right. And you did wonders for me. I mean, you were so supportive and I got so many people from you. And so it was really just, I think we benefited each other. It just was a good relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes me so happy to hear. And as the quote influencer, like you always get a little bit nervous because I want to make sure that I'm giving you referrals and clients. And I never, ever want a business to feel used by any means, especially when you're as sweet as you are. Like, I know you're putting time and money every single time I go see you. But you were like one of the very first people that ever reached out to me, wanted to offer like a trade or like a free service. Because I kid you not, I think three years ago, I had like 2,000 followers. Like, I had like 2,000 followers and I was doing… To me, I had
1: like… I mean, like, I had like literally like 100. I was like, oh my God, she has like 2,000 followers. Holy crap.
0: Like, to me, it was Oh my God, 2,000 followers. (laughs) For those of you with 2,000 followers, you're doing a great job. Keep going. You are
1: doing a great job. Even if you have 50, it's still great. Exactly. It's
0: still great. But it's just funny to me now because I wasn't exactly getting collaborations back then. And so I didn't really know like what it entailed. And I kind of thought it was like a scam. I almost didn't even go. (laughs) It's a lot. like I'm like stranger danger I probably shouldn't get like a facial done I don't know and then I like looked at your profile and you seemed super sweet and the reason why I ended up going I think was because I realized your loft was at the same space as my old spray yeah. tanning salon and I was like oh I know exactly where this is like it's not in someone's garage yeah. like it's not creepy so I went and then it was instantaneous. Yeah. Like you're just so sweet. And you like gave me a shot. And yeah, I think the collaboration piece is huge, but also your humility because I've worked with businesses who I want to help them, you know, like you, right. you know, I, I have that confidence in myself that I can help them. I want to be for them like the next Sarah or them to be the next Sarah or whatever, but there's a lot of businesses out there who they're not willing to give a free service in exchange for a promotion or they don't trust the referral process or they want to see an immediate result. I don't think with you, there was an immediate turnaround within you know 30 days. I think it was a very gradual. Yeah. We met, we did a service. I posted, I shared, I gave a couple referrals and then we connected again on an event and you came and gave you more referrals. And then before I knew it, every single person in my circle was like going to see you right to this day you know but some people aren't willing to do that what would you say to the business owners who are really struggle with collaborating with people
1: sometimes i think people are too like money driven mm. i think some people don't take a step back and look at the long term picture i think a lot of people focus so much on the short term of like oh my god i'm doing a service for an hour and i'm losing out on x amount of dollars but to me it wasn't about that it was like thinking about you long term and like how beneficial like the relationship was long term mm-hmm. and i think that's why those kind of relationships did so well for me in the beginning of my business is because like i wasn't focused on like to me it wasn't about making money it was about building mm-hmm. relationships because i knew i had no relationships in columbus so i needed to build every relationship possible because it was like what is a business without relationships And to me, it's like, I can have a business, but if no one's willing or wants to come see me and spend money, then like, what's the point?
0: Exactly. Well, and that's a perfect segue into you. You know, I do think there's something really special about Skin and Sugar because you are the owner. And so it works, it clicks, because you kind of get along with everyone and you're just an incredible human being. And oh, that's kind of what kept me going back is, you know, I loved our talks and then you also just so happened to spoil me and you'd like <laughs> massage my arms and you give me this really great service. And I was like, you're like a best friend. Too. I know. But speak on how important you are
1: to your business. So I think a lot of businesses get lost on people don't know like who's the owner, like who's running this business every day. And like people go to businesses and they don't see Mm. the owner. They don't know who the owner is and that that kind of stuff. But like, to me, like I don't see clients often still, but I still see clients because I choose to, and I want to, and I still want to be a face and I still want to be seen. And I still run my own Instagram. Granted you would probably, I mean, we both know I'm a freaking grandma with Instagram, but (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I know it's bad. You tried to help me. I'm just, I'm a bad student.
0: You're not a bad student. You're clearly doing I just, just a, <laughs> you're doing just fine without the most amazing Instagram in the world. But, but like, yes, I have tried to give you pointers. I know. It's true. But like, to me, I can't
1: stomach the thought of it being this like, stock photo, Instagram, like every other business. Like I love that it's still personal and all the clients who used to see me in the beginning, like they're still seeing like my face and Mm. I'm still a part of the business. It's not like I, Oh, Hey, like she grew this business. And like, now my face is MIA. It's a baby. Like it's my baby. And Mm -hmm. to not feel like I'm a part of it every day, I wouldn't be able to do that.
0: First of all, that's personal branding at its finest. And this is what I preach to my recruiters. This is why I've been successful in the Navy. This is why people and businesses are successful. is because they haven't forgotten the personal branding factor, which is I still believe people follow people. Mm-hmm. People root for people. And people connect with people. Yeah. They don't connect with fancy logos. They don't connect with super Photoshopped photos. They don't connect with something that's unreasonable. Right. The proof is in the pudding. Like Whether you look at metrics on Instagram or statistics, for example, super side caveat, you know, in the Navy, I preach personal branding because I'm like, people aren't going to reach out with you if you just have like standard stock photo clip arted photos of ships. Right. You put a picture of you and what you have done and tell your story they feel like they are getting to know you. Right. And then before they know it, they're interested in the Navy. And it's the same thing with me as a consumer and as a client. When I'm looking at businesses, you are exactly right. I will go on people's Instagram and if it's literally just all skincare products, I'm like, who's running this business? Yeah. And I'm less likely to book an appointment or to inquire about a collaboration because I can't even tell if like I would be a good fit or if they would be a right. good fit with me. and. I need to know so I can have that personal connection. So you knowing that early on was so important. And I feel like that also trickled through skin and sugar. Right. Because I know you personally, obviously. Anytime I've been in your space or I see skin and sugar continue to grow, it's still very Sarah Jacobson. Yeah. It's never not been Sarah Jacobson. And I think
1: a lot of people get lost when it comes to, you know, expanding. And when I brought on more team members and more estheticians and that kind of stuff. Mm. I'm very selective about personality-wise, like who I hire. Mm. To me, you can train skills to anybody, but you can't train personality. Right. And I hire girls who I want to spend time with, who I want to get a facial with, who I want to have conversations with because I enjoy being around them because I know my clients Mm -hmm. will feel the same way. And okay, yeah, they may not have as much experience doing this kind of facial service, but I can train them. Yeah. And I do still train all my girls and spend time with them, with their clients when they're learning and that kind of stuff because like it's so important to me that like they get the experience right because the experience that I created was what I want other people to experience because that's what I would want to experience.
0: Yeah, I love that. Actually, I think I spoke about this with you one of our final appointments before I moved. And it was about the quote experience to backtrack, I gotten services from some other people in Columbus. Do you remember me telling you that? Mm-hmm. And I got in like, you know, free services. Great. Cool. I'm not going to say no to a free service. Not now. Cause right. you know, I don't believe in stranger danger anymore. So now <laughs> sign up for a free service. <laughs> so I've gotten like a couple free services and it was so different. Like they're not talking to me. They're very private. It's very loud. It's very open. Like, People are walking by, it's bright. It just was strange or they were very picky about the service. It was like, oh, dermaplane only. And I was like, I feel like I have flaky skin still on my face. Like when I'm done, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here's some product. Here's this. Like, oh, we got a couple like rogue eyebrow hairs. I'm just going to grab them real quick. Like it wasn't like an all-inclusive thing. And so I started noticing that with you, like you said, what not to do. And so next time I sat down with you and I'm going through your experience, I was like, wait a second. I'm realizing this is not the standard. I'm realizing that this is the like premier status level that you've created. And you're like, I just realized what I would want. And then I trained everyone on that. I'm like, this is why you're killing it. Because there is a huge difference between what you do. Question, do you have spies? Have people come to Skin and Sugar and seeing what you do and then try to copy it? Oh,
1: 100%. 100%. That's crazy. And it's so frustrating. Oh, my God. It's flattering. I I think what's frustrating for me is because like, I didn't do that. I just built it off of what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go to these other spas and see what they were doing. So to me, other people just taking the simple way out and coming to my spa and seeing what we're doing so they can do the same thing. I'm just like, it makes me want to pull my hair out, but I'm like- Crazy. The Scorpio, Sarah wants to come out, but then I remember (laughs) I own a business and I have to be nice. Yeah, you are. You're (laughs) very
0: good at keeping up your political side. How did you build this experience? Like, how did you, and can you like walk listeners through, like those who are not in Columbus, they have no idea what skin and sugar is. Can you explain to us how you developed this experience and establish what would set you apart from everybody else? So one major thing that
1: I feel like people experience in most spas that I personally remember experiencing, like when I worked in other spas, that was one thing that was huge to me when I opened this is a lot of places are very pushy with so pushy products or making people feel like you need to buy this and you need mm-hmm. to buy this and like all this stuff. But like that's because they have their girls work on product mm-hmm. sales and they have to meet like a certain standard every month or whatever of what they need to sell. But like None of my girls have that. And I told that from day one, like you do not have a set number of products that you need to sell because A, you don't know what someone's financial situation is. And when you're pushing someone, A, I consider facial treatments and even sugaring Mm -hmm. a luxury to a lot of people. And it's not something that people just have all this extra money to just go do every month. And so- I think it's important to just understand that like people have things going on financially and personally, and you can make suggestions of what you think would be best, but never make them feel like they have Mm -hmm. to do something when they're already doing something by coming in. And I just based it off of, A, I want you to just come in and enjoy it and it be something you look forward to coming, not like oh, I have a membership at this place. So I have to go get this done. Like I want it to be something that people are like, oh my God, yeah, I want to go like book a facial or the same thing with the girls that I have, like them looking forward to coming in and seeing their esthetician because they want to catch them up on X, Y, and Z of their life and those kind of things. And I still remember, so we do a ton of Brazilians. It is by far like one of the biggest things that like we sugar and I personally still remember the first time I ever got a Brazilian in Cleveland in this spa. It was this dark room. Oh, boy. She had a spotlight on my vagina. Oh, my God. So it was before my wedding. So I had, like, no choice but to complete it. Yeah. Like, there was no backing out of it because I was getting married and then, like, we were going on our honeymoon. And she didn't talk to me. A spotlight. The entire time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the only thing she said to me, there's two things she said to me. A, we're, we're halfway done. <gasps> And this was only on the front side. And I literally thought I wanted to cry. (gasps) And then the next thing she said to me was, okay, roll over on your stomach and spread your cheeks. And I was like dripping sweat. She wasn't talking to me. I literally have my heart's
0: palpitating right now. Like I have anxiety. (laughs) Because if there's a male listening out there, like you're never going to understand. But the women get it. It's such a crazy experience to get a Brazilian. And you're literally like it's so so vulnerable. So vulnerable. And the fact that they make it so like they distance themselves from like anything personal. I'm like, do you not understand what we're doing here? Like I'm more intimate with you than I've been with anyone, to be honest. Like, (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Continue.
1: Sorry. (laughs) No, I was just like mortified. I was like, oh my God. And I remember walking out and like saying to my husband, I was like, you owe me so Mm -hmm. bad for that. And I just remember when we started doing Brazilians, I was like, listen, you guys, like, you have to make this enjoyable as much as you can, because a it's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And you have to put people's mind in another place mm-hmm. to make the experience different. Yeah. So we try to play like, you know, fun music and talk to you guys and, and that kind of stuff. But it's just like, Little things like to some places it's just, okay, you have 15 minutes to get a Brazilian done and they have the client walk in and hurry up and wax them or whatever and then walk out the door. But like to me, we block off more time so it can be comfortable and be more intimate and enjoyable in a situation that's already not really enjoyable.
0: You, I feel like have really isolated and nailed down experience and going into your business and as clients walking into Skin and Sugar And having an experience, having it be personal, I feel like that's very foundational for skin and sugar, which a lot of people overlook and they don't think is important, but it is because, you know, what What's the old quote is like, a lot of people may not remember what you said, but they'll always remember how you felt or how you made them feel. And it's so true. Like, you know, we talked about a lot of things under the sun, but like, I'll never forget how you made me feel every single time I walked in, or like initially walked in, and I mean, I do remember some of the things you said. I remember when you told me you were pregnant with Shay, and I was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> because you were so tiny. You were like, you didn't even a have a little bump.
1: You told me it was a girl. Oh, I did. Do you remember saying that? You remember telling me that it was a girl before I even knew that it was a girl. I
0: remember that because I'm a baby whisperer, and yeah, I've always said that to a few people, like because I like truly believed it. And for you, I was like, "That's gonna be a girl." And I'm right. Yeah. I know. I should take up a yeah. side job as a <laughs> sure. baby whisperer medium, but <laughs> seriously. But I think that is so powerful. And and that's exactly, you know, what I try to do. Like my podcast or with recruiting or what it sprinkles into every aspect. Like when I'm working with applicants, yeah. I was never like, these are all the benefits of the Navy. Here's a pamphlet. I was just like, oh, like, tell me about your family and like, where is this driving from? And like, at the end of the day, they felt like they had a friend. I'm still in contact right. All of those people I recruited into the Navy three years ago now, because they felt like they gained a friend through the process, not just an officer who was overlooking paperwork, you know? Definitely. So what are some of the things now looking back, you feel like you've learned through this process? It's been a quick three years. Yeah. But a very fruitful three years for you. You know, you yes. started this business in essentially a closet <laughs> of get and yeah. sugar, you know, DMing people, having a show up, building it off referrals. At what point did you take a pivot and say, all right, storefront, here I come?
1: It got to the point where I think my clientele book was about like around like 500 people. And I was working six, sometimes seven days a week, full like
0: eight hour days.
1: And it was to the point where it was about like, you know, a month or two that I was booking out for certain appointments. And I always knew that I wanted something bigger than just me in a room. Mm -hmm. And I did want it to be bigger, but I just didn't know how long that was going to take. And I knew, A, I found the perfect location. Mm -hmm. Like there was the perfect location right down the street from where I was renting, my spa. So it would just kind of happen to like be perfect timing on that end. And I broke it down and just to, I knew it was unrealistic that when I had more rooms and had more estheticians, like they weren't going to be booked every day the same way I was as soon as we opened. And I just had to look at it in like a small picture of, okay, so me working X amount of days, seeing X amount of clients, like I am, I can pay the rent, pay the utility on a new space. I knew that me working the same way I was could cover what needed to be done if I wanted to expand. So it didn't mean, you know, like me expanding to a storefront meant like, oh, hey, like I'm free and clear. Like I don't have to work anymore because I decided to have a storefront. Like I was working still the same amount that I was working previously, but just in a new location. And then a lot of those clients who wanted to get in to see me, but you know, it just wasn't realistic timing wise, I would tell them, you know, like we have other girls, they're great, I trained them. And then they just started trickling to the other girls. And then those girls blew up because they did awesome. And that is a really slow process that I think people don't understand is it's not just this, like, you open your doors, and you're just like booming for business. It was just you just have to look at it in small terms of like, I knew that myself alone could support it if I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario is, you know, like the other girls weren't booked and I just had the space that I was still working and yeah. I could still support it on my own. So I think that was important is not getting too far ahead of myself of like how unrealistic it was to not just open a storefront and just not work.
0: So would you say you recommend getting to a point where if all else fails, like you can support it yourself alone and then bringing in other employees, like that's gravy, like that's extra, you know, and eventually like you can work less and like, or you can stay the same and then you make more money or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's important to potentially reiterate because there's a lot of people kind of dive in aggressively and they don't even have the books to support it yet. Right. And I've seen a couple of friends do that. And especially through like 2020. Yeah. You know, 2020's obviously been really rough. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you start a business, some people want to start big, Correct. like really, really big. They're like, oh, I got a name. It's Rose Spa. And I I'm gonna open Rose Spa and I'm gonna get chairs that are rose colored and it's gonna have an Instagram wall and it's gonna be great. And we're gonna have yeah. rose petals. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like narrow in first, like build your books. Right. Have people showing up, have people who want to talk about Rose Spa. Don't just go big, go home, you know? And you mentioned this earlier when we were talking, but what were some of the things even just to get started? Like for listeners out there who they want to get into business, they want to build a business, whatever, like what would you say to them that you did right away that worked for you?
1: I truly think being vulnerable was my huge Mm. and putting myself out there because I truly know more people and have better connections with people in Columbus than I ever did in Cleveland and school in Cincinnati and like growing up in mommy. Like, I think not being afraid to make mistakes and Mm. you don't have to have it all together. And, you know, I was telling you this before we even started, like, I didn't even have like a freaking mission statement. Like Mm -hmm. when I opened just by me, like I didn't think about all these little things and, I didn't have like this picture perfect business plan, and it was just something that to me I knew. In order to build something, I had to be social, reach out to people on Instagram, even if I felt. I remember my husband first told me this, and he was like, "Okay, you got to like reach out to these people and like invite them in." And like, I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Like, I feel like the biggest (laughs) idiot. Like, I felt so." Stupid. And I was like, they're going to think about, like, well, you Stranger thought I was like danger. a serial killer in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these people are going to think I'm like the biggest freaking weirdo. I had like literally like 50 followers on Instagram. I love it. And then once I started doing it, I could not believe the engagement that I got back from it. And that was really just, it was one tiny small step of just putting myself out there, even though I felt super stupid and just. I was so surprised at the outcome. And I always work on the theory of like worst case scenario Mm -hmm. is people just say no. Totally. And you move on. But if you don't ask them, Mm -hmm. then you don't know what's going to happen from it. So that to me was just huge by learning that it's okay if people don't want to do it or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not interested. It doesn't necessarily mean it's anything personal. And, So it was just that point of just being like, all right, if you want to make this work, you just got to be vulnerable. And worst case scenario is people say no. Yeah, and totally. I just really went off of that. And as I started seeing people and there were days when I was only seeing like one or two people a day.
0: And I remember you telling me that, which is so funny to me now. Because you're so
1: both. Yeah, and so, (laughs) I know. And so I would see, like, one or two people a day, but I didn't portray it as, oh, I'm only seeing one or two people a day. I portrayed it as when, like, I was bumping, I was super busy, and people don't know the difference. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't going to go and be like, they can't tell how many people you have scheduled during the day. And so the whole fake it till you make it definitely worked
0: in my favor. That's good because you're so right. Like, anytime you ever posted, even on Instagram, you would do – you almost booked like three spots left or something like I'd be like, crap, yeah. you know? And yeah. I would literally text you and I'd be like, I need a my plane. <laughs> and <Yeah>. like immediately. <laughs> and man, I'm such a sucker. For someone who works in marketing, I still fall for all the traps because I'm like, <laughs> I need to do this ASAP. Or if it's like today only, 70% off. I'm like, "God, credit card. Where is it? I got to order it. <laughs> exactly. I'm so that person. I am too. Um, but I'm with you there. I'm starting small. You don't have to take The big steps, not even having a mission statement. I mean, yeah, I get it. All that stuff is important. You know, you need to know like who you're there for, what you're doing. I feel like though, innately in your heart, you started this business knowing what your goal was and also knowing what you didn't want to do and like how you wanted people to feel when they met you. And so, like, you didn't need the extra fluff. And now, like you mentioned, you said you're kind of playing catch up now, like three years later on like some of the little things here and there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, there's stuff that I should have done like day one of opening my business that I legit probably have still not (laughs) done.
0: But it functions. The business is
1: still functioning. So it's like, it's okay to not have everything done or feel like, I mean, I look at other business owners and I'm like, oh my God, like they have their stuff together. Like Brandy and Abby of Bliss Tans, like. I'm like, they literally Love like, they got it going on and they got their stuff together. But then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I You're like got a hot mess on. over here. But it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, like small things, people are never going to know. Mm-hmm. And if you can still function and give services that people want, all the small things behind the scenes will come together on their own.
0: Exactly. You still have to deliver a service or sometimes like in social media world or podcasting, like you have to deliver content. To get people to come to listen, like to be there, to be present, to come into your store, like that's the foundation. All the other stuff is extra. Like we were just talking about, yeah. like for me, it's like, oh, my social media could be better for my podcast, or my marketing could be better for my podcast. Ooh, I should do like all these branded shoots. Oh, I just saw yesterday the comparison game is really scary, folks. Like yes. I just saw yesterday, someone had merch for their podcast, and I was immediately like crap. You know, like, should I have merch <laughs> for misunderstood? I'm like, that looks super cool. Yeah. And I'm pretty much on the same level as them, you know, podcast wise. But then I was like, come on, you know, you're delivering like a message. People are tuning in. If they want to buy a cup, great. Let figure that out later. But for right now, like you're doing just fine. And so I think it's a hard yes. pill to swallow because you want to play the comparison game all the time.
1: The comparison game is hard. And I go down the rabbit hole with that a lot. And mentally Instagram even like puts me in a Mm. bad place a lot of times because I think of like what you said other people are doing or well they have this or they have that and I'm like and I feel like I'm not doing something right but then I just have to remind myself like people listen to your podcast for a reason because of you and people come to our spa for a reason because they like the way we do things and I just have to remind myself like there's enough people to go around and just people like us for Mm -hmm. a reason. And if people like other places for a reason, like that's okay. And I just have to remind myself, but I inevitably, I'm just, I'm super freaking competitive. (laughs) So it's just in my blood that I just can't help those things go, but it is comparison is hard. And it's something that I constantly like almost daily have to remind myself that some days I just need to get over it. and move on, yeah. but it, it is Yeah, it is hard. tough.
0: It's a tough little to swallow, and especially if we're perfectionists and we want to have it all really, really quickly, but it takes time. Yeah. So Sarah, yeah. if you were in a conference room full of women who, you know, aspiring business owners, you know, what would you tell them? What would you say to them to keep motivating them?
1: I think it's truly, and this is so like, oh my God, everybody freaking says this, but like knowing what you love to do, that whole like, what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm really drives your happiness and it relays onto what you do every day. And so like you talk about like the Navy is like, you're obviously passionate about like what you're doing in your specific role or like your podcast and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. people can feel that and it rubs off on people. And so like, if you're not doing something that makes you happy, you don't have to, you know, a quit your job right away. But if you can work on what makes you passionate Mm -hmm. on the side that potentially could turn into, you know, like full-time or whatever, like, it's not crazy. And the whole people are saying like, it's not possible to love what you do every day. It's like, it's just unrealistic, but like, it's not like
0: mm-hmm.
1: no one's making you work this job. You're working this job because exactly. if you're unhappy, because you're comfortable and it's yeah. a safe space. But I truly do think that like, we all love what we do every day. And I love what I do every day. And clients can tell when you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And so pushing yourself outside of that comfort zone right. to do what you are passionate about and happy about, I think is huge for whatever your goal is in life. And even if it is just working the job that you are but getting a promotion and stuff, but like passion, I think exudes from more than just like how hard you work. Like it's your energy. I totally agree. I always just tell people that like we talk about different things or if they're not happy, I'm just like, just do it. Like don't overthink it. Just whatever you need to do in life to make you feel better, to make you happier, just yeah. just do it and don't overthink it.
0: Yeah. I try to advocate for the same thing, whether it's on other podcasts or just talking to women about passion. And like you said, starting small, you know, whether it's doing it part-time or taking a course in it or surrounding yourself with people who have similar passions. Right. That's really refreshing. Yeah. That's how you stay inspired. And then, you know, eventually that might lead to a part-time job, or eventually that might lead to a full-time job, or eventually that might lead to you quitting your job to do that full-time but starting in and stop thinking that like it's impossible because it's not impossible. And like you said, just showing up and like being excited about your job, like it's what everyone hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. for in life and having a supportive partner definitely helps. Yeah. Who's there cheering you on. It
1: does. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. And I do think people also like, I think they have this idea in their head that like, oh my God, I have to have like all this money to start this business. But like when I moved into my little loft, like I think I maybe spent like 8 grand, 10 grand total that I had. We had sold a house that we lived in when we moved. It was like no more than that. And like, that's what I used to start the business. And yeah, you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars to like start whatever thing you love. But I mean, like as unrealistic as a lot of people think.
0: Yeah, the same thing. I mean, this podcast has cost me. I mean, my microphone is $60. It's great. I mean, your husband, he's the one who edits and does everything for my podcast. Shout out to Hatch. <laughs> thanks, Eric Jacobson. Like, thanks to his expertise, I've been able to cut a lot of corners and figure things out. But like, I'm not sitting here in a studio that I'm renting for $200 an hour. With a microphone that cost me $250, you know, like it's in software that cost me $300. It's starting small and then building up and then all that stuff comes later. So I think you're totally right. Well, Sarah, on a final note, and I always ask this to all of my guests, what do you think is most misunderstood about starting your own business? That you're rich.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I think people think because I have this business or like started this business, they're like, oh my gosh, she's like so rich. She has like all this money. She has like this business and this location. They just open another location. Like money to me is like I think what is so misunderstood about Mm. businesses, and yeah, there probably are businesses that are really successful and, you know, paying a bunch, but like I did not even pay myself for the first two years for my business. So I think a lot of people think like when you start a business, you're just like racking in the money and it's just like you're working and all this stuff. But it's like to me, like Mm. money was not my motivator. And, even today, like I don't look at a client as money. I look at a client as friends, like truly all my clients, like Mm -hmm. they're friends. And so I think that people think because I own a business that I'm just like rolling in the dough, but (laughs) I prefer (laughs) to exactly. And I do actually think that there's a lot of businesses out there that choose to be selfish about the money. And I pay my girls, I think they're the best paid (coughs) estheticians in Columbus. (laughs) And I choose to pay them more than what every other spa is paying their estheticians, because I want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's more important to whatever money I make to put into them and to put back into the business. And like, I think that's what is... Most misunderstood a lot that I feel like wow. people think is like org because I'm not seeing clients physically every day. People are like, oh, I should just like sit at home watching TV every day. But like my brain has 24 yeah. seven business, but like I also have kids and a husband. You know what I mean? Like it's this thing that's never leaves me. And so I think people think when you own a business, you can just like rack in the dough, sit at home, watch TV all day. But it's actually more stressful than I think what a lot of people right. really feel. Full-time. Like it is. I can't
0: believe I didn't even mention your two little girls whom I love and adore. I mean, it's like in <laughs> itself. Like guys, she's a powerhouse mom of two incredible daughters with such amazing spirits. She especially, she's the personality of the sun. She's a wild child. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> And you're a wife and you have an incredible husband. And I, like I said, I can get into a whole different podcast about who you choose to surround yourself with and the fact that you have this family that's so supportive. Yeah. But like you're doing it. You're doing it and you're killing it and it's so yeah. inspiring to watch. I love that I was one of your first clients, you know, because I feel like I really saw Skin and Sugar in its infancy. And now it's right, boomed, you know, into one location in Upper Arlington and then now a second location in Dublin, correct? Oh, but yeah. Powell, yeah. Essentially like, the same. Yeah. What? Like amazing, incredible spaces, Instagram-worthy spaces. And I'm just watching you do all of this, which is so... Amazing. I'm just so proud of you. And I think that a lot of women need to be reminded of this message. You're not this 30 year skin veteran, that CEO of Aveda. Like, you really have built this from the ground up. You've built real connections. You have made money, but you also started out with no money. Like, yeah. A lot of people are in yeah. the exact same boat, and they need to be reminded of that. So yeah, I have a feeling you might yeah. get a couple messages after this of people who are interested or maybe want mentors or just want to talk with you. How can our listeners find you?
1: So we mainly use Instagram. Okay. And so our Instagram is at skin underscore and underscore sugar. Okay. So Instagram, awesome. And our website is www.skinandsugar.co.co.
0: Okay. Awesome. I was going to redirect them to the website too. So yeah. Perfect. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Of course. It's been so thank amazing you. to see you again. I know. I've missed you. <sighs> I miss you too. My skin misses you. I'm hanging in there. Nothing bad. You still look beautiful. You still
1: look great. <laughs> thank you.
0: My skin was just like serious goals the entire time I lived in Columbus. Sometimes I look at my photos and I'll zoom in and I'll be like, Am I face tuned? And then I'm like, Wait, pff, I don't even have the face tune app. And I'm like, No, that was really my skin. Like, What? Like COVID has <laughs> ruined everybody, so you're not alone. I'm so sad. It was like flawlessly airbrushed all the time, which is the goal. I was like, Sarah, I want to look airbrushed, and you were like, All right, <laughs> let's go. I'm like, Yay! So I'm bumming about that, but at least it's not gone too downhill, which is good. Thanks to Image, you referred yes. me to Image Skincare. So yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah. Of Until thank next you. time on Misunderstood. This is Kelly Hall. Shout out to Sarah Jacobson and her hubby, Eric Jacobson, for producing this podcast. we got a power (laughs) couple on our hands, but I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much. All right. So welcome to another installment of Questions with Kelly. And I'm actually going to change the narrative a bit today from Questions with Kelly to Tips with Kelly. So grab your notepads and your highlighters and your sticky pads or whatever you need. I don't know. I'm grabbing my coffee because I absolutely need it. But um, I'm going to give you a couple tips on how to get started in your business and what I recommend. So for those of you who don't know, I used to be a business owner. I was a photographer for about hmm, like five years, I'd say. And I really only stopped when I moved to Los Angeles just because well, I didn't have any clients here. And then COVID happened. So I definitely didn't make any clients then. And it's been good because I had to kind of take a backseat because I have the podcast and I have everything else going on. You know the drill. But in those five years, I did a lot and I connected with a lot of people and it was very successful. So first, my tip would be nailing down your name in your audience. So sit back and think, who am I trying to market to? For me, I wanted to market to young brides and young clients because that was who I primarily was working with at the time. So it was like young 20s, mid-20s. So that was kind of like what my marketing was geared around. My Instagram was geared around. My photos were geared around. Those were the clients I worked with, the people I shot with for free. So that way, other clients who were 25 and getting married would see photos of other clients who are 25 and getting married and they would say, oh, I want that. So it was very relatable. So You know, I picked out my name, Kelly Renee Photography, and it's because I wanted my name and my face to be very attached to the brand. And then I knew my target audience. So with that, moving forward, the first thing I did was, of course, get my equipment, speak with mentors, connect with people, see what they really, really recommend. I talked to, you know, four to five people and they were all doing photography and photography for a while. And they said, you need this camera. It's expensive, it's a lot, but it's an investment and you'd rather invest the money in something that you're going to use instead of having to buy something again later. And I actually returned my original camera, which was about $1,000. And because they were all like, you're just gonna end up buying a full frame camera in a couple of years. So I just dove in deep, bought my full frame camera. It was about $3,000. It's a Canon 5D Mark Three but I got the equipment I needed. So I got you know the tools and everything I need in order to be a successful photographer. So I have my name, I have my audience, I have my tools. I'd say the final piece to really get started if you have a zilch idea is your social media. So I had an Instagram before I ever had a website. I had Kelly Renee Photography, made sure it was available on Instagram, started posting, started sharing photos, started posting photos of my target audience, And putting my contact information in there. But for a while, I was running everything off Facebook and Instagram, and it worked. I was making money and I was meeting people and I was getting networks, and they were all looking at my Instagram and they were seeing my portfolio. It really wasn't until about a year into my business that I got a website. (laughs) And by that point, it was for the legitimacy. You know, I wanted to be taken seriously as a business owner. I wanted to, you know, get a website and legitimize it. And that's really the final piece for me. So, you know, I had my target audience. I had my name. I had the equipment. I had the social media. I was running the social media. I had the Facebook. I had the website. And that is all going to lead to the final piece, which is referrals and building your book of business or clients. I think with those things, with those key elements, you can take Any business, photography, stationery, calligraphy, wine, whatever business you're trying to build. But those are like the fundamentals that kind of help. So hopefully that helps. A few tips instead of questions with Kelly. I'm sorry for my dog being so annoying. Apparently, he doesn't want to learn about business today. Shut up, Dale. But thanks for tuning in again and let me know what you thought about the episode you know, I want to share narratives and I want to share inspiring stories, but I also want to share tips. So thanks again for showing up and continuing to support Misunderstood. Until next time, this is Kelly Hall. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you loved, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. <laughs>